0: This is another damn sports podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another day of sports podcast. I am Drew Torres, and I'm here with a man who is blessed with a lot of privilege. He is a Boston sports fan, which means he has a lot of privilege in that regard. And he also has the privilege of sharing a show with me. And, you know, he is lucky for that money. Mike, how's it going, man? It's going good. It's going
1: great. Uh, Yeah. I mean, remember, I'm not a total Boston sports fan. I I don't I I I have only tasted the champagne twice in my lifetime with the New York Giants. I didn't get to taste it six times with
0: Tom Brady. Um with the Patriots. So only twice. Okay. Yeah, sure. Uh so <laughs> money, Mike. I know you are just an absolute fanatic when it comes to the NFL offseason. There's obviously a lot going on in the NFL offseason with a lot of teams, but it seems like the New York Giants are not one of them. What the hell is going on? They don't have a lot of money to spend. You know,
1: they're they're in cap prison. So it's uh yeah, they're 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 not somebody that's going to be making a lot of big splashy moves. I mean, the only splashy moves you would think the giants will be involved in is uh, players that are leaving like Jabril Preppers, one of our best defensive leaders, uh, just signed with a uh, new England. So uh, that was there. I, I thought we would see something about Saquon Barkley getting traded like to make some cap room, but that has not happened as of yet. So I don't know if that will be something that happens in the draft, but there are rumors about that. Uh, and there are rumors that the new GM and the owner are not on the same page when it comes to Daniel Jones. There's only reports, but it's, I, I, I have to say, I don't know who's on whose side here, but, uh,
0: I would say the person that doesn't believe in Daniel Jones, the other person should listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's totally fair. It's never a good sign when you see your owner and your GM not on the same page about everything or anything, especially the starting quarterback. So that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, the Giants have been quiet. They also let go of Evan Ingram. You know, they let him go somewhere else. Are you surprised good about that?
1: good riddance he was always he's injury prone and he couldn't ever step up in the biggest moment like we had a game against the eagles and the giants all they had to do was convert on third and eight but evan ingram dropped the ball that hit both of them in the hands and then the very next week he catches this one-armed catch falling out of bounds i'm like what the fuck you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck indeed and honestly coming into this podcast i had some thoughts you know i was like how am i going to really react how do how am i going to genuinely respond to the moves that the Jacksonville Jaguars have made that in uh, free agency. Um, and that just the decisions they have made to build this team around Trevor Lawrence, who is a guy that struggled last year mightily uh, because of a lot of reasons. Uh, obviously he was a rookie quarterback coming into the league with not many weapons around him. Uh, a head coach. That was an absolute buffoon. Obviously more news has come out about urban Meyer talking about how he didn't know who the hell Aaron Donald was about, how he just really was not prepared for the position that he was thrown into. Um, So the Jacksonville Jaguars decide to spend a boatload of money on guys like Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, uh, Evan Ingram, like we mentioned, a couple very expensive defensive players and a couple offensive linemen, which is going to be huge for us. But coming into this podcast, I was like, "How, how does this actually make me feel? And I'll be honest, I think I'm done. I think I am done with this optimism, this forced optimism that I have felt with this team for years. You know, right. last year we hired Urban Meyer and I was like, you know, let's, let's see what happens. You never know what can happen. He could end up being a really good coach. You could break the trend of college coaches being unsuccessful when they come to the pros, you know, and every year I'm like, I look at the positives and I only choose to look at the positives. My dumb ass decided to predict that the Jaguars would win six to seven games last year. Six to seven games. Like, it's just insane that I look at this team with such optimism during the offseason and coming into the season. And the fact that we decide to sign Christian Kirk to $21 million a year. Like, dude, the likelihood of this blowing up from our face is so, is so much higher than it actually working out where he is he should be one of the highest paid receivers in the league I I just don't this is what bad teams do and I am predicting that the Jags continue to be bad in the future
1: I I just remember your prediction from last year uh and I I if I butcher this I'm sorry but I think this was what it was because I heard it so many times on repeat uh Jags Colts Titans Texans was your (laughs) order for the (laughs) AFC South last year you said that multiple times in the same show on that one so I was like oh okay so Drew thinks the Jags are gonna win the AFC South So (laughs) no, I'm fucking done. It is what it
0: is. This is a bad franchise run by a bad owner.
1: Yeah. I. That's how I am with the giants right now. I don't think they're a bad franchise, but I think that they're, um, I I, I do think that they're not ran well over the last few years. That's why they hired their new GM and uh, they brought Brian Dable in to be the head coach. So for me, it's a prove it to me, prove it to me. Otherwise I'm going to expect five wins or less because you got to prove it to me. now, Fortunately for the Giants, compared to the Jaguars, the Giants are in the NFC, which has become an incredibly weak conference. I mean, with all these superstars in free agency, leaving the NFC to go to the AFC has made it a much easier path. That's why Tom Brady, I think, came back. because He's like, well, wait, the only team standing my way is t- the Rams the- and maybe the 49ers. That's it.
0: Right. And it has to be so nice to be Tom Brady right now who decided to come out of retirement after giving buddy everybody the rejoicing feeling of finally the goat is gone. Finally, the Bills can be rid of Tom ever having to face Tom Brady once again. And then he decides to come back because damn the NFC is such an easy path to victory. Um, so I, I'm not, I can't say I'm surprised. The joke is that he went home for two months and spent some time with his family and Giselle and was like, fuck this, I'm going back out <laughs> onto the field and I'm going to go back to my glory. Um, but, I mean, Tampa Bay has to be one of the favorites in the NFC to make the Super Bowl, like you said. I mean, it's them and the Rams. I mean, it, at, right now,
1: barring any injuries, the NFC Championship is LA versus Tampa Bay. I mean, you'd be crazy to pick anybody else. I mean, not Green Bay because Green Bay, as soon as they signed Aaron Rodgers to that four-year deal, which good for him. He got his money. They got rid of his only target. <laughs> you know, the only guy he threw to really. Uh, so it's like, you know, we've we saw Aaron Rodgers for a few years with no targets and the green Bay wasn't that good. You know, they're not, well, who's, be who's the top target in green. And maybe they'll still be good in the regular season, but they can't do it in the playoffs. Right. You know, the green Bay is not going to be better than Tampa Bay and they're not going to be better than Los Angeles. So knock them out. Seattle's a lot worse. They don't, they're going to be bad. Um, Arizona seems to be in the shits because they have this drama going on with Kyler Murray. Um, San Francisco, we don't know who the quarterback is going to be and how they're going to look next year. Um, Dallas is always underperforming expectations. Uh, Washington and Philadelphia are at best, you know, first round outs and Carson Wentz is going to not make Washington better than they were last year. So no and more then, Matt Ryan on the Falcons. No more Matt Ryan on the Falcons to make them threatening. Uh, you know, the Saints don't have Drew Brees or Sean Payton now leading them. They're moving Taysom Hill officially to tight end. He will no longer be a quarterback option for the Saints. So I don't know. I, it, to me, it, the NFC is such a it, it's such an opportunity for bad teams to build up themselves and make they really look better than they, they are. Uh, but the AFC is so loaded that is going to be like CBS's ratings this year are going to skyrocket. That's probably why Joe Buck and Troy Aikman left for ESPN uh, because they're like, Oh, there's not going to be any good games on Fox this year. It's all going to be on CBS. So we might as well at least, you know, go to ESPN where we can get some AFC games
0: and then some of the good NFC teams will be scheduled to play on Monday night football. Yeah. That's a very good point. I never thought about it that way. That definitely could have factored into their decision. I think, the main driver was obviously the money. I'm sure that the well, of course, <laughs> networks are just throwing insane amounts of money at these guys to call their games. I mean, isn't the new team at Amazon going to be uh, Al Michaels and uh, Kirk Herbstreet? Uh, I yeah, because I don't think Al Michaels is on NBC. So yeah, I think they yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's just insane how all of the the ne- main networks are shuffling like crazy. We haven't seen this. I mean, ever. I, I don't think I've ever seen this much shuffling. In both the NFL, as in the players, and also in the booth, in the media, this, across all of the networks. This is just the most insane NFL offseason by a mile.
1: It feels like an NBA offseason in a way, because so many players are changing teams. You know, it, it kind of has that feel. Because like, before, in the NFL, it was, uh, you know, every few years you would see like a big player leave of their organization. But for the most part, the players that moved around were like the role players that right. nobody really knows that anyway. Uh, but the big name players, like the Jersey sale players, uh, those who are like basically career bound guys until like the very end of their careers. A lot of them, especially the quarterbacks. But uh, man, I, uh, I I've been loving this drama with Cleveland uh, and Baker Mayfield. <laughs> it's been so much fun because Baker Mayfield's like, you know, we'll see what happens. Cleveland. I'm, I'm grateful for my time here. And then he goes and demands a trade. Uh, and, uh, then they trade for Deshaun Watson and go, we don't need to trade you. You're not any, you don't have any value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And he's Cleveland like, I want to go to
1: the Colts. And then the next day the Colts traded for Matt Ryan. Like nobody wants Baker Mayfield. It's so funny.
0: <laughs> yeah. They, they just had a big fuck you to Baker Mayfield and Gino mamelito And it's just like, wow, I, I can't believe the one quarterback that has found any semblance of success for the dog pound is just being absolutely shit on. <laughs> it's like, it, it, I feel like. Th- as bad as Baker Mayfield was last year and, and as bad as his public persona is like, I just feel like you can't treat a dude like that. Who is just tried so hard to bring any sort of success to a franchise that has had almost none, you know? And, and like, I, I, totally get it. Like Baker Mayfield, he seems like he's a problem in terms of his emotions and the way he conducts himself in the media and the way he conducts himself in public. But no. It's just, it's unfortunate that this has come this far to the fact that Cleveland is willing to throw by far the most amount of money, guaranteed money at a quarterback who is surrounded, absolutely constricted by controversy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely
1: nuts. And and then, you know, with that drama, like he said, he would love to go to the Colts and then the Colts get Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is going to make the Colts so much better than what they were with Carson Wentz. Like, at least you know have a quarterback back there who's competent. And he's gonna have such a he's gonna. I mean, last time he had at least a semi-decent offensive line, he took a team to a Super Bowl.
0: Right.
1: You know, so I, again the Colts have one of the best rosters in the in the league, minus the quarterback until Matt Ryan got there. Matt Ryan's not the Matt Ryan of five years ago, but he's still a good quarterback. Like, I think Matt Ryan is better than what Phillip Rivers was two years ago. And Phil yeah. Rivers took this team to the playoffs and challenged the Buffalo Bills. They didn't beat them, but they challenged them in that game. If you remember, it was a close game. Um, so I, I think that the Colts are a team that a lot of people were afraid of near the end of the season. They just kind of fell short because of Carson Wentz. Um, so I think they will be a dangerous team to look out for. And they could, honestly, they could pass the Titans as the uh, Kings of the South next year.
0: I yeah, really think I could definitely see that. I don't
1: think it's going to be Houston. And I don't think it's going to be Jacksonville. Sorry to say. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be between Tennessee and Indianapolis. I think Indianapolis now is slightly better than Tennessee.
0: I could absolutely see that. Like you said, if Matt Ryan could even just play even close to how he used to play when he had Julio Jones, Roddy White, that amazing offensive line and a solid run game, which the Colts do have with Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is an absolute beast. They have some great wide receivers that he can work with. I mean, this is a situation that he honestly is probably so thankful for because atlanta was moving in a direction that nobody really understood like they they had cordero patterson last year and he was basically their only positive point but other than that they were just kind of a mediocre team that didn't really seem to have a direction or have an identity and now he's going into a team that has the perfect setup for him to have success
1: well i mean what a what a perfect play by atlanta and for matt ryan like it was actually one of the more like good on both sides deals because Atlanta know with Matt Ryan next year, they weren't going to be going to the playoffs or the super bowl. So they get rid of Matt Ryan, give Matt Ryan a chance to end his career in a good situation, which is good for him. And then for them, they're going to be bad this year. and maybe even worse now. And next year's draft class for quarterbacks is so much better than this year's all the experts are saying. So Atlanta is going to set themselves up to re- replace Matt Ryan with hopefully for themselves, a future franchise quarterback. So it, it kind of looks like they're kind of saying this year out oh, F 2022, 23, we're going to, we're, we're shooting for next year.
0: And it's always so unfortunate for fans, whenever teams decide to do that, because obviously you don't want to waste an entire season rooting for a team that, you know, just isn't going to be good and isn't really trying to be good now. But yeah. I was just talking to a coworker today about the bills. And I mean, it, they had to make some moves and make some decisions early on in this rise to prominence that maybe didn't, benefit them in the beginning, like throwing Josh Allen to the fire, making sure that he was able to learn how to become a solid NFL quarterback uh, through the trials and tribulations. Obviously Atlanta's doing the same thing to hopefully guarantee that at least within a few years, they're going to contender again. And I think that's why I said earlier that bad teams or good teams don't just throw all their money away at free agency to just try and get the best possible players that they can, even if they're overpaying for players because you have to build towards the future. And the Jags are not doing that at all. That um, They're trying to win now with <laughs> pieces that probably aren't going to allow them to win now. But I mean, that, that's how it is. And I, I agree with, like you said, with how Atlanta is approaching this. I mean the best, the best uh, format
1: or formula, if you could, be so simple to say formula is what bill belichick and robert Kraft have done in new england which is you cut a player a year too early not a year too late and you don't really go out and spend this a ton of money in free agency you kind of you know you make the most out of the players that you can find you know and not and, that, and that's hard to do i mean it's hard to do to, to find somebody that is going to like you've seen them in a few games um or you've seen a little bit of their film from college and you're like oh we can make the most out of this guy like it's hard you have to be able to be able to evaluate somebody and see find the diamond in the rough, so to speak. That's it's not easy to do, but, but you know, new England's had sustained success because they had a quarterback who was open to, um, you know, not taking the huge contract so that they could build around him, which is what Patrick Mahomes has kind of done in Kansas city. That's why Kansas city, it, it, there shouldn't be in a panic mode for getting rid of Hill because they're still set up well for the future, you right. know, and they still have good talent around Patrick Mahomes to still succeed. Like, getting, like, yeah, is Juju Smith Schuster as good as Hill? No, he's not as good as Tyreek Hill, but he's a good receiver. And when you have a great quarterback and a good receiver, there's still going to be offensive production. And they so, still have Travis Kelsey. And you still have Travis Kelsey, exactly. And you have one of the best offensive minds at head coach with Andy Reid. Right. You know, so what, what's going to be hard for Kansas City next year is how great their division has become because you got Khalil Mack joining the Chargers. Uh, you have that guy from uh, uh, New England joining the Chargers on defense. You have um, uh, you've got the Raiders getting Devontae Adams with Derek Carr, who they played in college together. So there's already that chemistry. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Wow. OK, and then you've got Russell Wilson joining the Broncos uh, and the Broncos already had an established good defense and a uh, good offensive uh, roster. It's just they needed a quarterback. Who was better than Teddy Bridgewater? Who was a good game manager, but he wasn't going to elevate the team or make the team uh, better. So, I mean, that AFC West race, man, I, that's going to be so much fun <laughs> to watch. But I heard this this great point from somebody at work who was a Bills fan, so it was a little bit of a biased point, but it still I think holds merit that the AFC West winner won't be the number one seed in the AFC because they're going to be beating up on each other so much because they yeah. um, that the Bills have a easier path to get a lot of wins in the division because they're still going to beat miami twice they're still going to beat the jets twice and more than likely they'll beat new england twice but at bare minimum the bills will be at least four and two in their division
0: well that that kind of goes along with what we were talking about for decades with the with brady and the patriots for all those years they always had the easiest path to a high seed in the AFC playoffs, which allowed them to have the home field advantage during the playoffs and get themselves to so many Super Bowls. And obviously with the Bills being in such a bad division, for the most part, I mean, they, they in theory have set themselves up for similar success down the line, obviously with Bill Belichick being behind the Patriots roster and Miami obviously being willing to make as many moves as possible to keep themselves competitive. It's a lot easier said than done. But yeah. in theory, at this point in the offseason, it's hard to not look at that AFC East and be like, man, the Bills can go 6-0 and in the division.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, that's why I said bare minimum is 4-2. Right. You know, like if you let one game go against Miami and you let one game go against New England, because they're going to beat the Jets twice. You know, so like, that's why I think it was a good point. The AFC West, I think the teams are going to be, whoever you have to play in the playoffs out of the AFC West is going to be a tough out. But they're going to be pretty. Good. Now again, the same argument can be made because Cleveland, I think, is going to be good, um, but Pittsburgh's not going to be as good, um, and I don't know how Baltimore's going to be with injuries. So Cincinnati could also do well in their division if they keep on the road, the, like what they were doing last year, and the momentum they had. Maybe they'll be a team that's threatening to be at the top of the AFC standings at the end of the year, just because they have an easier division than the teams in the AFC West. But right. I, and same with the, the Colts and the Titans; they don't have. They only have each other to battle. They, and if one gets the better of the other, they could potentially also have the number one seed for that regard, just from having an easier set schedule. Now it depends on what division the NFC, because every year you're forced to play one division outside of your conference. So if the bills play like the AFC, I mean, NFC East, that's four wins for the bills right there. Then they could go six and oh, that's 10 wins without playing anybody else in the AFC.
0: Yep. And they do. I do believe they play the NFC East. This year, uh, we're actually going to welcome on a massive Bills fan who may be able to shed some light on the future Bills schedule and his feelings about how the Bills look going forward. His name is Nick Padula. First time coming back on the show in a very long time, my friend. How are you doing?
2: Hey, 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 hey
1: what's up guys not to mention nick is soon to be a father nick i have to say i have three name suggestions for you quick before we get into the bills talk okay i want to see what your thoughts are and we can put a twitter poll on this okay i've got three name suggestions for you okay and so first and middle name and last name obviously will be padula so here's suggestion number one tom brady padula that's suggestion number one then money mike padula that's my Mm. personal favorite and then in honor of the show and i think this is the funniest one another damn padula Ah.
2: that's a pretty good one right there um i'm gonna have to um pass on the tom brady nonsense (laughs) for reasons we don't need to go into on the show but uh yeah i like i like your i like your other options money mike is pretty good i think i think i i played a hand at some point in giving that nickname out so um yeah no we'll 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 pick a different name, I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. I just wanted to give you some ideas. Get the get the juices flowing. I know I know the baby's coming. So
2: solid suggestions though, Mike. Good try.
0: Yeah. Congratulations, man.
2: It's exciting. It'll be uh right right around football season or right before, you know, spring training time or whatever they call it.
0: <laughs> coming into Priest the most camp. <laughs> Coming into the most hype bill season that we will probably ever experience. And Nick will be too busy. Uh, working with this child, trying to make sure that they grow up into a, a great Bills fan. Like, himself. Oh, I will never
2: be too busy for Buffalo Bills football games. So I, it's going to be Josh
1: Allen Padula now. I, yes, I, I can see what's coming.
2: <laughs> no, there's only one Josh Allen. There's only, there will <laughs> only ever be one Josh Allen.
1: I heard there's one on the Jags who's pretty good. <laughs> oh wait, that's actually a good You're point. right.
0: That's a good point. I actually didn't even think about that. Thank you, man. <laughs> There's actually
2: um, but, another Josh Allen. You're right.
0: Yeah. But speaking of defensive players, so Nick, uh, obviously the biggest signing for the Buffalo bills this offseason so far is Ben Von Miller uh, coming off of a super bowl win against the Cincinnati Bengals uh, having a massive impact in that game late in his career. He's an older guy, mid thirties, and you guys are giving him a lot of money, but how do you feel about that signing?
2: I mean, you pretty much hit a home run. I mean, what do you, what could you do to make a bigger difference for a team that's so obviously that close, right? Like the last two seasons, the Bills have been that close. Um, And there's so many arguments that can be made that if one or two little things go slightly differently, you know, maybe it's Buffalo in, in the Super Bowl, if not winning the Super Bowl last two years. So to make, how do you get over that hump? Um, you can't make a small move and get over the hump you, if you're if you really want to like guarantee like there's no more excuses right um, and pass rush has been one of the things that they just haven't been able to do consistently the the last few years I mean the the biggest pass rusher I've grown up watching with Buffalo is Mario Williams and he played on teams that weren't like they weren't competitive. They like barely had chances. And it's just like, why can't we have a guy like that now? And, you know, Von Miller or Chandler Jones, one of those guys had to come to Buffalo. Um, And it was getting pretty dicey there. You know, Chandler Jones signs um, like earlier in the day, I think with Vegas and everyone was like, oh shit, like what's Buffalo going to do now? Um, And then the Von Miller trade or not trade signing gets announced and it's just like a huge sigh of relief. Right. Um, you know, not just how good of a player he is, but how like his, the way he handles himself and the way he's a leader in the locker room and he has two Super Bowl rings with two different teams. Like he's got this whole, this legacy um, that he's bringing to Buffalo with him too. And I just like, I couldn't be happier about that signing. Um, and really the, just the, the job Brandon beans done as a whole um, with this free agency period so far I, like where is this money coming from good question um, <laughs> the salary cap is fake? he's leveraging the future a little bit but um, you know he's not doing what Jacksonville is doing like just paying guys outrageous amounts of money to come to Jacksonville people want to come to Buffalo um, and that's crazy what a world we live in now where um, you know the top free agents are Choosing to come to Buffalo. I mean, Von Miller's leaving Los Angeles, a brand new stadium, Super Bowl winning team, a team willing to spend money out of you know what on, to do it again. And he decides to come to Buffalo. Like, what a world we live in. And I'm so glad we're here.
0: Yes, what a world we live in. And it's very interesting to see Brandon Bean talk about the signing of Von Miller and say that the reason that they were so adamant to get a guy like him was because the Buffalo Bills' defensive line needed a guy that could finish. You know, because when we watched the AFC uh, playoff matchup between the Bills and the Chiefs, the biggest issue that their defense was having for most of that game was it wasn't generating pressure and getting to Mahomes. It was actually bringing him down because Mahomes would just be able to uh, escape the pocket move out on the outside and extend plays. And that was kind of what tired out the bills defense ended up turning the game into what it was. So I think Von Miller can make that difference. Would you, would you agree, Mike, or are, are you still off on the bills? Do you think they're going to be trash this year?
1: <laughs> no, I think the bills are going to be great. I just love trolling you guys. Cause it's fun. Uh, I was so <laughs> shocked by the Von Miller signing because it was apparent that Von Miller wanted to go back to Denver. Once Russell Wilson was traded over there. Cause he, he was only traded very recently you know in this past season and uh, he loved his time in denver he loves that franchise he loves that organization so when it w- was out there that he was going to go back it's like oh he's going to go back to denver and there was like von miller signs the bills i'm like what the fuck
2: you know <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like a, when, it's again, this offseason stalking. has been so crazy
1: it, but like i said before the bills uh are going to be they're so good offensively because of josh allen and they're going to continue that because they even though they lost their offensive coordinator they kept on somebody who was part of his staff and that Josh Allen is familiar with. So it's still going to be a familiar feel offensively for Buffalo. Um, and so you're going to, they're going to be fine in that direction. They already had the number one defense in pretty much every category. Now adding Von Miller to the pass rush to put the pressure on the opposing quarterback. I mean, come on, Von Miller, rushing Zach Wilson of the jets. That's two easy wins. uh is <laughs> not going to be able to handle the pressure. So there's two more wins and the bills, Took a dump on the Patriots in the playoffs, uh, showed their dominance over them. So, again, there's two more wins there. And if they do have to play the NFC, uh, East in their schedule, Daniel Jones gonna be able to handle that pressure. I think not. I think not.
0: So, I actually think... wait, they're playing the AFC, uh, NFC North this year. Crap, never mind. Oh, uh, NFC well, that's East, even this, easier. You have
1: Detroit, yeah. Chicago, and Minnesota. Three wins there. The only way Green Bay beats you is if it's in Lambeau Field and it's negative two, and even then still might not be able to beat you because they don't have number 17 anymore. So so again, I'm very curious to see how the Bills play against the AFC Western teams because they've gotten so much better. But I still think they're the favorites. I think that they're better than Kansas City is now. And I think that they're, I, I think they match up better than Denver. They are better than the Chargers. And so I think they're better than those four teams. Just those four teams are gonna be so tough. It's going to be interesting to see if Cincinnati bounces back or if they have a Super Bowl hangover. I'm just excited. I'm excited to see the, all these AFC matchups. It's going to be so much yeah. fun.
2: That whole West, I mean, we talked about the NFC West for years. Now it's the AFC West. That's just absolutely loaded. Um, and they, Hopefully they just beat up on each other all year and make it easier for a team like Buffalo to get the one seed and get home, f- home field advantage. Because um, mm-hmm. we're sick of seeing games at Arrowhead in the playoffs, I'll tell you that much. Watch out for the Colts,
1: though. The Colts killed Buffalo last year in Buffalo, and the Colts got better. So that could be just a team that could be an Achilles heel for Buffalo. Uh, Maybe not. But Tennessee's also had Buffalo's number as well. So even though the AFC West is so strong, the teams in the AFC South have been the teams that have given Buffalo – heck, the Bills lost to Jacksonville, if you can remember (laughs) that. I mean, they they struggle against that whole division.
2: (laughs) That did did happen. Um, I I still don't have a good answer for how, but that did happen (laughs) – but, yeah, I think I don't think there's many teams in the AFC that got worse, right? Like, I don't know if I can name any teams in the AFC that got worse. This, this is Mitchell off-season. Trubisky
1: better than Ben Roethlisberger and aging Ben Roethlisberger? I think Just so. Just as
2: good. I mean, I think he gives them more more dynamic ability on offense. Like, they, there's things that, that Mitchell Trubisky could do that Big Ben could not in the last few years. Um, so, I, I don't think Pittsburgh takes a big step down if they do. Um, and that, that whole division, I mean, we'll see what happens in Cleveland, right? Like that's a kind of an, a wild card thing. You know, if Deshaun Watson plays or doesn't play and where Baker Mayfield ends up and that's, that's the big thing there. It's really Baker Mayfield and, uh, um, Jimmy G are like the two quarterbacks left that need to find a home. Right. So we'll see where they end up. Um, yeah. I think and Atlanta, I- Atlanta doesn't really have a quarterback right now. Right. There's this no, guy they, Colin they Kaepernick
1: who's been looking for a home for like five years. And he'll be like <laughs> Baker Mayfield
2: in Carolina. I don't. They they still going ahead with uh, Sam Darnold, or I don't know what their situation is. And then no, the Texans I, sound like they're just moving forward with Davis Mills. So okay.
0: <laughs> well, it, it, it's unfortunate for these teams that don't have a quarterback right now because there's nobody really that's available in the draft that you know that you can just plug in day one and feel confident in. Um. Obviously yeah, Kenny Pickett is the name that everybody's talking about, but even he's not going to really be that good. I don't yeah.
2: believe in, in either of those guys, but people, right. people always hype up draft picks. Yeah. Like I've never been that big in the draft, but I think this year specifically, like, I don't know. Well, you could talk up Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis, but I just don't see them. Like, I don't see them coming in and being game changers, yeah. at least not right away or anytime soon.
0: Yeah, no, I 100% agree. But uh, what might be a game-changing thing is, uh, is this news about Stefan Diggs kind of making you a little nervous? I know he's coming out saying he's got some news going, and I know he's a, he's a little underpaid, but he's also a little bit later in his career, so it's hard to, to justify giving him a bunch of money uh, for an extended period of time. So what are your thoughts about the Stefan Diggs situation?
2: I don't know that there actually is a Stefan Diggs situation. I mean, he does send these weird, random, cryptic, tweets all the time which is really frustrating for fans because you're like does that mean something does that not mean something I think he's just trolling everybody sometimes um but yeah it is the one thing that if you ask Bill's fans they'd probably say they wish Brandon Bean did this offseason was extends to digs because he the man is underpaid if you look at what wide receivers like what the top wide receivers in the league make
0: christian kirk is making 21 million a year and Stephon Diggs is only making 14 how fucking okay. crazy is that
2: jacksonville money doesn't count like you don't talk <laughs> okay. about what jacksonville did this offseason because that's <laughs> ridiculous yeah like you talk about players wanting to come to buffalo nobody wants to go to jacksonville they have to get overpaid to go to jacksonville so like good for jacksonville for doing that if that's <laughs> Zay jones do. baby
0: zay jones yeah. let's go yeah.
2: That you get the Bills' sloppy seconds there. So, um, <laughs> yeah, the Giants'
1: sloppy but seconds, too.
2: Christian Kirk was <laughs> one of the guys um, being floated around that Buffalo might want to bring in to replace Cole Beasley. But then he got what he got to go to Jacksonville. And they're like, okay, good for him. Like, nobody's <laughs> touching
0: that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and you guys I- still have Isaiah McKenzie, right?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, whatever he, the guy is a gadget player and the whole NFL knows it. This is the second year in a row. He's been a free agent. And nobody wanted to pay him. And he came back to Buffalo for basically the same amount of money. Dude's making like one to $2 million a year, which I mean, don't get me wrong. Like good for him. If I sure. could make that, <laughs> I would too, but he's not getting the 8 million, 9 million, $10 million a year contracts that the, the wide receivers worth, you know, paying are getting. So yeah he's like the fourth receiver in Buffalo and he always will be, he can't, he clearly can't be trusted to return um, kicks and punts and he fumbles a lot. So he's just the guy you roll out there against the Patriots who decide to put a bad guy who's slow on him. And he looks like Tyree killed once or twice a year against the Patriots. And that's about it. So I don't know. Um, I like that. They honestly, Cole Beasley, like, what he meant to Buffalo the last few years, I mean, that's when things really started to change, when John Brown and Cole Beasley came for Josh. I and mean, Josh really didn't have reliable receivers before that. Um, and obviously, like, I don't like any of the off-the-field crap, the COVID crap with with Cole Beasley. Like, no one was really ever talking about how we used to have this thing where every time he caught a ball in 2019 and 2020, is like consistent, reliable. He's always there. It's like, you're never third and long. You're third and Cole Beasley when, when you had <laughs> the field. So what he meant was huge, but I have like, I don't feel bad at all about moving on from him. I think Jameson Crowder steps in as just as good, if not a little bit more dynamic slot receiver, um, Probably dying to play for a good team, you know, he's been on the Jets last handful of years, so I really don't think they lose much. I think Gabe Davis is ready to step up. Obviously he showed it in the playoffs last year that he can be relied on. and Diggs is still there and he wants to play, he wants to win. He loves Josh Allen. I'm not worried about it. They got to pay the guy eventually, though. I mean yeah. And there's like some money like some cap money that they could shuffle around by extending him. Like, you pay him more, but maybe you actually free up some money in the short term. I mean, they still need a punter. They had the worst punter in the league last year. He um, barely they had still, to use
0: him, though.
2: And they still need a cornerback, for sure. Um, not yeah. to mention the running back situation, which, I don't know. Like, it's okay. It's not great.
0: Yeah, but, you, know, you had uh, a couple names rumbling around there. You had Christian McCaffrey was the rumor for a little while, but you guys probably had to give up way too much to get him. And then obviously the uh, the issue with J.D. McKissick siding with the Bills and then turn around and going back to Washington. Dumbass.
2: What a dumbass. <laughs> like, I don't even feel bad about it. Like, if you really want to choose Washington over Buffalo, go for it. I don't like, okay, good for you. And I don't know, like Duke Johnson seems like the same type of player to me. I mean, right. he's probably more consistent, more reliable um, yeah. than McKissick. McKissick might be a little younger, more dynamic, but they're the same age. If you look at it on paper, it feels like Duke Johnson's been around forever, but him and McKissick are like, I think one year apart draft I class. Say,
1: I will say looking at the bills uh, upcoming schedule this year, it doesn't have like who, when they're playing in these places, but all their tough opponents is on the road. Like they play Baltimore on the road, Cincinnati on the road. They play the Los Angeles uh, Rams on the road. They play the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Bring them on um, again.
1: <laughs> so, you know, and, and I mean, uh, their home schedule, they play, obviously, the three division teams. But they play Tennessee, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, and Green Bay.
2: Yeah, I'd love to see a season where the Bills don't play Tennessee. It feels like they play every year in, in the regular season. It's always a stupid game. But it's oh, always yeah. the
1: team that's at home that typically wins. I've noticed.
2: Yeah, I don't know. They always play them tight. And, and Tennessee is another team that who really knows? Are they going to take a step up? Or are they going to take a step down? Or are you going to be the same? I, I, I don't know. Well, um, but fortunately,
1: yeah. they don't play the Jags, so you don't have to worry about that nightmare again, Nick.
2: The, none of these teams are like bad, bad, except for you know the Lions the and the Bears, right? And the Jets and yeah, the Jets are the Jets. I don't. They actually are going to be better this year. Like they have made us some sneaky. Decent upgrades on their team, but they're still the Jets. I mean, they're not going to be competitive in that division. And I really don't think the Dolphins are either. I just don't think Tua is on the level that that Josh Allen is or, or that Bill Belichick is at, at coaching.
0: Um, yeah. Well, let me, well, Nick. Let me ask you this. So, obviously, we're, we've been sitting here talking about the Bills, and obviously, we feel, all feel great about it. You, money. Mike says that he considers them one of the favorites, if not the favorite, in the AFC. But is there anything about this team that still makes you nervous? I mean, because obviously, every team comes into a season with weaknesses that do get shown throughout the season.
2: Yeah. So to me, it's the cornerback situation. They're going to be without. Um what's his face, Tredavious White, coming back from his, his uh, knee injury and, and surgery, at least to start the season. So he's coming back eventually, um, but not to start the season. And they let Levi Wallace walk to to Pittsburgh. And Levi Wallace is a serviceable cornerback, nothing special about the guy, um, but he's was decent, um, and they let him walk for not a lot of money. It's not like he took a raise to go somewhere else. The Bills could have brought him back, and they decided not to. So right now, like walking into the season, they're going with like their third and fourth quarterbacks from last year. So they really need to probably use one of their top one or two draft picks on a corner and probably sign a veteran if they can. So I know like I was actually paying attention a little bit earlier tonight to see what Patrick Peterson did. I mean, there's really not much money left for the Bills to spend. So it's going to be somebody who decides to come on on a discount type contract, but that that scares me a little bit because there's still speed all over the place in the NFL. I mean, now we have to play Tyree Hill twice with the dolphins and don't get me wrong. I prefer Tyree Hill on the dolphins twice a year versus him on the chiefs once or twice a year, can, potentially in the playoffs, like put, give me Tyree Hill on the dolphins a million days out of a million versus the chiefs, but yeah. he's still one fastest motherfuckers in the league. And you know, <laughs> if you can't match up against them, then you're in trouble. So the cornerback situation, for sure, um, I don't, punter is, is a problem, but, you know, the Bills don't find someone.
0: The, yeah, yeah they'll
2: probably fun. draft a punter. There's this guy they call the punt god, so look out for him. Um, <laughs> but, but the thing is, um, I guess this guy, I don't even know what his name is. He's at Arizona, I think. They call him the punt god. I don't Bet. don't look it up. I don't know more details than that, but he's not a holder. Like, he was a punter and a kicker for them. And the Bills, the reason they brought in Matt Hack um, is because he's one of the best holders in the league and they wanted like consistent holding for field goal kicking. But the dude could not punt to save his goddamn life. So good riddance. He's not even gone. They brought him back. um, Just, I promise you what's going to happen is they're going to bring him back for training camp to train the draft pick, how to hold, and then they're going to cut him.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah that, that would make a lot of sense
2: honestly that's it and I I still don't love their their running back situation but you know whatever I, I don't subscribe yeah. to paying to overpaying running backs
0: um, sure that that is a big point though I mean obviously the bills if you have a weak secondary any any team if you have a weak secondary in this league that is a pass happy league especially in the AFC filled with a lot of elite quarterbacks and a lot of elite offensive talent uh, that's going to make you nervous it's going to put a lot of pressure on Josh Allen and this explosive offense but yeah. I mean you guys are just best, that good of a team
2: they still have the best safety tandem in the league I True. mean Jordan Poirier and Micah Hyde are like put two there's no better two guys together I I think in the league yeah. and in the safeties but to go from that to kind of an unknown in the uh, at the cornerback position is a little scary so um, the draft is still coming and I, I like it that there's a very short list of needs for this team. Um, Brandon Bean really went out and like made some big time moves in free agency here. And yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Not to mention the the Josh Allen rule, um, which it shall be called from henceforth um, that the NFL has changed the overtime playoff overtime rules. Um, Specifically, because Josh Allen deserved a possession, and I, like that's been said by many, by many um, people on TV that I've seen. I don't. I, I just heard that one of the strongest arguments made at the NFL owners' meetings for the rule change in the NFL postseason was that Josh Allen deserved a possession in that game. Yeah, and yeah. Who can Who can really argue that?
1: But, you know, it's it's interesting now that they've made it so that you both get a possession no matter what happens. It's kind of like if you, if they do a coin toss, like, do you want the ball and score first to put the pressure on the other team to answer you? Or do you want to get the ball second, knowing that you're going to get it anyway? And if you, you kind of know what you have to do at that point. Like, it's like, okay, the other team scores a field goal. I know a touchdown wins the game, or our defense stopped him. All I have to do is kick a field goal, win the game.
2: Yeah. But at the
1: same time, if you defer, and it's like that Kansas City Buffalo game, you defer and you let the Chiefs get the ball first and score, then you answer and score. You give them the option to then get the ball back and just kick a field goal, and win the
2: game. Or you can decide to go for two, like the Ravens did a couple times to end the game, and you either lose or you win. And that's which it. the Ravens like,
1: lost every time they did that this year. True,
2: true. But I get the feeling <laughs> that in overtime, I mean, I get the feeling that in that specific game, right, where neither defense could stop the other team's offense, if Whoever gets the ball first is probably going to kick if they score a touchdown. I, I just feel like the numbers, like no one's going to go for two there and risk only being up six. I really just, I don't see that happening. But the second team is going to know that if they just kick it to tie it and give the ball back, which starts sudden death overtime like the regular season they probably would rather take the chance of going for two. I mean, I feel like if it was Buffalo and they got the ball back and they, God willing, found a way to score again, which, I mean, Josh Young was in this, like, ridiculous outer body mode at the end of that game. Like, I didn't think they even had a chance to do what they did on offense. And they just kept marching down and scoring in ridiculous ways. He probably would have done it again. And I don't see them kicking and purposefully giving the ball back, knowing that their defense has not been able to do anything to stop this team on the last several drives. Yeah. Um, that I, I think
0: that would, ag- I would agree.
2: The NFL, like,
0: yeah, just, I, I would agree with that for sure. That game. I, I would agree with that for sure. I do think the bills would have gone for two at that point. And honestly, this rule is just going to make it if we ever do anytime soon get another game like that it's just going to make it that much more exciting that much more fun and, and take away that thought crazy- of the the coin flip like you say
2: yeah so that, that first of all great point like that's my biggest thing about this whole overtime situation is that now it's about strategy the coin flip matters in that whoever wins has to make a decision but it's not an obvious decision anymore like you there's strategy involved to do you do you go first and yeah, give the other team the, like, all the information they need to know. Like, do you, you know, you always go for it on fourth down when you have to, or you lose the game, right? But if you go first and it's fourth down, like, what do you do? Do you kick? Do you, do you go for it? It's not so clear. So there's a strategic advantage to going second, but also if you go first, like you get that ball the third time. To be sudden death, and like there's advantages on both sides, and the coin toss does not decide shit anymore, and I love it. It's not relevant anymore. Um, so yeah, but the best thing about this is that the coin toss doesn't matter anymore. Um, and I forget what the other point was, because that was my big, that was my <laughs> biggest thing about the coin toss. Um, yeah, I, I just don't. Oh, the other thing is it has it actually hasn't happened that often it feels like it has from a bills fan perspective because two of the last four overtime games in the playoffs were lost by the bills the texans game in 2019 in this game last year and the right. other game that comes to mind is the kansas city new england patriots game where the patriots did the same thing to kansas city that kansas city did buffalo last year yeah and they they won the toss they scored Mahomes never got the ball, and people started talking about changing the overtime rules then. Um, but that game was lower scoring. It, you know, it was a uh, we all think of it as this like dynamic matchup that was like this awesome game, but it wasn't what that Chiefs Bills game was, especially. Yeah, I don't think if we'll
0: ever see another game like that, or if we do, it's not going to be for a long time. That was just insane.
2: Yeah. And so that's. It honestly, like, I don't think anybody can dispute that it was that game and that performance that changed this rule. Like, it isn't like an accumulation of things. It's the fact that that game had so many people, like, in awe of what they were watching. And, like, how can we let that end because of like a technicality, you know? Now somebody has to step up, and you can't hide on offense or defense. You have to do both things. And, I yeah, I love it. I mean, you can't get lucky and win in overtime in the playoffs. And the Chiefs got lucky that they didn't have to play defense against Josh Allen and the Bills in the playoffs.
0: Go ahead, Money Mike. You look like you want to say something. But
1: but I will will say, it was not – even though I know the Bills-Chiefs game was the driving force behind this rule change, the very next week we got to remember that the Chiefs won the coin toss and still lost the game in overtime to Cincinnati. Like, it wasn't a – set in stone thing that if you win the coin toss, get the ball first, you win the game in overtime. We have to also remember that there was a time where the NFL rules were in overtime. If you get the ball first, all you have to do is kick a field goal you win the game. Yeah. So forget that. I, I love this rule change. I I'm not trying to shit on it or anything. I'm just saying that it wasn't always a guarantee that you get the ball first, you win. That's why it's so interesting to see what people are going to do strategically with this new rule, knowing that you're going to get the ball no matter what me personally, I always want the ball and I want to, I'll, I'll take the ball first do what I can with it and then know that I'm going to get it back to answer. If I, if I score a touchdown, I'm going to get that ball a second time, no matter what happens, unless they go for two and do that. So.
2: Yeah. I think I actually agree with that though. Like if the bills had won the toss, which I mean, is a phrase that will live in infamy. um, If the bills had won the toss, I still, if I'm, if I'm McDermott, I agree with you. I take the ball first and I take my chances stopping the Chiefs for a two-point conversion. Um, that's really the conversation to me, because I don't think you're you're deciding to take the ball first, thinking that your team can stop them on defense. Because anybody who, who thought the Bills had a chance of stopping them on defense was not watching the end of that game. Well, you everybody thought, well, 13 knew that the seconds game was
1: over. to go? How can you stop them when they have a full time in possession? Yeah.
2: <laughs> that the 13. So that's why it always goes back to the 13 seconds because once it got to overtime, like to me, I had like swallowed my pride and I had accepted defeat. I was still watching glued to the TV, hoping and praying that something would go our way on defense. But yeah, that 13 seconds debacle. I mean, that's really what lost the game. Like how pathetic you almost wish that the bills missed their two point conversion to go up three and they were only up by one. Right. Cause it's like, they were playing as if Kansas. They're City playing needed four a over It's like they yeah. were, that Kansas City needed a touchdown and they didn't they needed a field goal but if they were only up one instead of up three then maybe they play that 13 seconds out like a normal football team instead of whatever the hell they did just let them do whatever the hell they want for two giant chunk plays and then get a field goal I mean it's embarrassing that 13 seconds man it's just Don't ever go back and watch it if you're a Buffalo Bills fan because there's nothing good that happened.
1: But but what I'm also interested in is, like, if you get the ball first in this overtime, do you go for two if you score a touchdown because you know the other team's going to try or do you just wait it out and see if you can stop them?
2: That's ballsy, man. It's all about your defense. And so in that specific game, I don't know, man. Like, now now you're talking me out of this whole idea of going first. (laughs) Buffalo knew they were not stopping the Chiefs on defense. So like maybe you just go down and I don't know you can't how of how
1: how was that the case because the Bills were the number one defense all year long I I, I still don't understand how they played so bad in that game I really yeah. don't because the Chiefs be had struggled
0: so much offensively this year this that past season for a while like, the Bills was just... defense had, was great in terms of stats throughout the year but I think a lot of it was because they beat up on a lot of bad teams they were great they were a good defense for sure but they weren't. The legion of boom you know they weren't they weren't like some elite defense that was going to shut down a great offense like the, the kansas city chiefs there
2: was no As highlight like, players or plays yeah. it's just like the stat said they were the best team and you're like really right? they're the best defense <laughs> now it's like okay they got von miller like that makes sense yeah. so it's because anybody
0: different. that watched every bills game like myself and like nick did you know, like, like you kind of knew that this defense wasn't that good. Like they were there, especially their run defense, it wasn't really all that good throughout the season. And even their, their pass defense, especially without Trey white, wasn't going to be a lockdown defense at all.
2: Yeah. It, they honestly played better than I thought they would. Um, after they lost Trey white, I I was a little scared about the secondary then. And that's why, like, I don't know, like the bills purposefully moved on from Levi Wallace. Don't like, don't have any misfortune, like. Misunderstandings about the situation. They could have brought him back, and he was good enough to bring him back at the money that he took to go to Pittsburgh. So they have to have a plan. They have to have a plan here because they just let him walk. and And Trey isn't going to be back right away. Um, I mean, I hope he is. I it feels like these ACL injuries don't last as long as they used to. But um, yeah, that that is the big wild card. We'll see. We'll see. But the pass rush is what makes the difference in not, not just getting pressure but finishing on those plays. And exactly. how many times in that game did they pressure? You, you talked about it. Like, they pressure and Mahomes scrambles and they're that close to making a big play on defense and then Mahomes does Mahomes things. And it's, like, how do you make cross that finish line? It, it is, r- like, really sad that somehow the Chiefs are this nemesis to the Bills in the playoffs. And then they go out and do what they did against Cincinnati and just absolutely fall apart at like for the second half of that game, the Chiefs or the Bengals defense made the chiefs offense look pedestrian. And I'm just like dumbfounded watching that. Like how they make it. Any given
0: Sunday, man, that's the NFL. It's so insane. And for some reason, the the Bengals just seemed to have the chiefs number this year and, and who would have expected that? Right, Mike? No, I, I not me. <laughs>
1: Certainly not me. I it was weird to seeing the Bengals in the Super Bowl. I still had to like do this, like clear my eyes. Like I'm watching Cincinnati in the Super Bowl on Super Bowl <laughs> Sunday. Like this is insane. Like yeah. that hadn't been the case since before I was even alive. Or any of us were alive. So <laughs> it was crazy. And that's that's why I I they're another team that I'm like doubting going into next year. I know it's kind of insulting to say because they made it to the Super Bowl. It's like prove, do it again. Like show how good you are. Do it, do yeah. it again. You guys, did you guys get lucky or are you guys actually good? Like I want to see them ha- do it again. But uh, Nick, I got another Bills question for you. What did you think of the new stadium from what we've seen so far of what's been released? you like it? You don't like it? I
2: mean, I. I'm glad it's staying in Buffalo. I'll say that much. Um, and and yeah, like a bigger, better, nicer, newer stadium. Sounds More
1: expensive great. tickets.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds great to anybody who asks though. Honestly, like, I, I don't know. Like the concrete structures don't last forever, but they kind of do on the other hand. Like if they didn't knock down that stadium, it would probably stand for like a thousand years, you know, like parts parts of it might crumble and fall down eventually. But I don't know what really makes a stadium outdated. It's probably technology more than anything else. I, yeah. the, the Ralph will always be one of the greatest places to watch a football game. So I just hope that they can capture that same. I mean, Bills fans are going to be Bills fans forever. Like the mafia isn't going anywhere. So the, as long as they don't somehow screw up the environment, the tailgating situation, you know, they're moving it across the street. So it's still going to be Orchard Park and people renting out their lawns for parking. It's like one of the most unique, awesome experiences in the NFL. Um, I'm, gl- I'm just glad it's not going anywhere, but, yeah. you know, a nice, a nice new stadium sounds good to me.
0: Yeah, the design of the stadium is very, it's going to be very similar to the Seahawks stadium where it's not going to be a full dome, but it's going to be mostly covered. Uh, And I I think that's going to be huge for the stadium's uh, audio, for the volume. Uh, I think it's going to be really loud in there. Uh, as as we know, the the Seattle stadium is known for being one of the loudest. I just went there this past season and it was a very cool experience. Even watching my team get absolutely decimated by Geno Smith because the stadium at least was really cool. Um, but, uh, I'm very excited for what's that. They have that
2: cool, like triangle end zone of seats too. Right. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, I've never seen anything like that.
0: Yeah, oh, the, the stadium yeah. was a very cool time, but it, it's it's very exciting to see the Bills finally do get a new stadium. Obviously, like you said, it always was a good time to go to the Ralph, then to New Era Field, then to Highmark Stadium. It was always a good time to uh, get drunk, watch the team. Uh, but now we get to get drunk and watch the team at a new state-of-the-art stadium. And it's going Not to be now. very weird the first time. I know, I go it's going to be like it? 2026 or something yeah. like that. Right, sorry, yeah, not now, but soon. Uh, I'll I still be here. I just bought a house, so I'll strap still be here. Wrap
2: my baby to my chest to get back out there this year. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the craziest thing. I lived in Buffalo for three years, and like, the, it's just like such bad timing, right? Like yeah. the year that I was there and went to every home game except for a couple ones that weren't worth going to. They didn't get a home playoff game. They went to Houston and they lost in Houston. That the year after is COVID. Which
1: was apparently my fault that they lost, by the way. <laughs> yes, it was. I, uh,
2: the same reason that they lost that game is the same reason they lost the game against the Chiefs. They couldn't finish plays. I mean, the, the Deshaun Watson made similar plays to Patrick Mahomes where he's scrambling and scrambling, and the Bills are this close to bringing him down, and then he gets away. Well, we won't talk about 2019. <laughs> yeah. um, and then 2020 is the COVID year. Where we're watching these playoff games at home from home from our house because no one's allowed to go. Um, in hindsight, like I don't know, they they did allow fans for those playoff games, and you know maybe I shoulda maybe I shoulda found. It would have been to a go. tough ticket, dude. I know, and then last year. I was talking to you guys. I was dead set on paying whatever it costed to go to the AFC Championship game in Buffalo. And, like, that's the biggest regret about last season is that if they just find a way to not fuck up 13 seconds, they get the Cincinnati Bengals at home in Buffalo for the AFC Championship game and probably go to the Super Bowl where they're you probably. You didn't go to the Patriots favorite- game, did you? No, I didn't. That uh, game was ridiculous. I mean, yeah. Kudos to you and to everybody else who went to that game. It was cold
0: as balls, dude.
2: <laughs> I thought about it, and I was like, there's no way. <laughs> if I still lived there, I could have been convinced. I could have been convinced. You would have
0: been convinced. You easily would have been convinced if you were living out here, because everybody
2: – I will be making my way back out um, to, the, to the stadium, get my memories in before it's gone, because it sounds like they're moving the new one across the street, and when it's ready – They're knocking this puppy down and probably selling everything in it to people willing to pay outrageous amounts of money for like urinals and stuff.
0: All right. Well, obviously a lot of excitement surrounding the Buffalo Bills season coming up and the NFL season as a whole, even for the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Giants, even though they are at the bottom of the totem pole in terms of uh, team ability and uh, projected success. But we will move on to another team who was unfortunately towards the bottom of the totem pole when it came to success this season. The Syracuse Orange ended their season under 500, losing in the ACC tournament to Duke their third loss to Duke during the season, a closer game this time around. They actually seemed like they had a little bit of a chance, but Nick, Syracuse was a little, little rough to watch this year.
2: They were, and they weren't. It's the, the hardest thing to swallow about this team is that they were way better than their record, like so much better than their record. And don't get me wrong. Like athleticism is the word that I will always use to describe the lack of this what this team was lacking this year it's just they didn't have athletes they had I hate to say it because I sound like an old white guy instead of a young white guy but that this team like when's the last time you saw a Syracuse team with four white starters and like I I hate that it equals athleticism and it always kind of has but this team was lacking athletes like Oh, my God. They couldn't finish layups to to like layups were out of their vocabulary. That's why Jesse Edwards looked so important for so long this year is because he was making plays that an athlete makes when they're on the field or on the field on the court. And, uh, you know, the other guys, the four guys, Buddy, Joe, Jimmy and Cole weren't making plays like that. Um, but you're right. That game against Duke, the end of the end of the, the game, that ended their season, um, they looked a little different. I mean, Jimmy Bayheim's out there making plays that we didn't see him make all year. He had the best game of his career, I think. Not, having not watched any of his games at Cornell except the one he played against Syracuse, he played the best game of his college career that last game. Um, some of that had to have to do with Buddy not being able to play in that game. Um and, like, God love them for the fight that they put up in that game. They could have won that game, but n- nobody expected them to beat Duke in that game. They lost by 20-plus points in both of the times they played earlier in the season. So, like, what are they going to do? And in the answer to that question, ask Jim Boeheim, they will never play man-to-man defense. Guess what they did against Duke the last game of the season? They said, fuck it, let's play man-to-man defense. See what happens. So I, I wonder if that's going to be something we see next year. And people are kind of talking about it now. Like it's one game out of 40-something years that Beheim has been there where they decided to try a little bit of it because they knew that all of the advantages were with Duke, especially with, with or without Buddy, but especially without Buddy. Um, they were like, well, let's throw the kitchen sink at him and see what happens. And it almost, almost worked. Um, but yeah, there's no excusing the games that they a 15 point loss to Colgate, a loss to Georgetown who didn't win a single game in conference. 15 this year.
0: points to Colgate, dude. Yeah,
2: like- not only that, they gave up 100 <laughs> points to Colgate. They lost to a toothpaste brand.
0: They also <laughs> lost to
2: Georgetown who didn't win a single game in conference. They had a zero wins in conference this year. I mean, like those two alone are enough to off-road your season. But Virginia, again, not an NCAA team this year. Two games against Miami, which in hindsight, like Miami's pretty freaking good. But Syracuse had two games against Miami. They lost by
0: one point in both of them, right?
2: Well, yeah, I don't know about both of them. I think the second game got away from them. Uh, Maybe it was like two or three points at the end of the season. But still, they had both games won, and they gave up like 18 to 20-point leads in both those games. Um the first game against Wake Forest, they lost a game against Pittsburgh, which is inexcusable. They lost a game against Florida State, which is not an NCAA tournament team. It's just like the Lit.
0: They should have beat UNC. The, the lit Swider had 37 points or something like that. Like they dude.
2: had UNC beat. <laughs> and at different points in like the Villanova and Notre Dame games, they had those teams beat too. And they just like this team lacked athleticism in and, and really that equals they lacked a killer instinct at the end of the game. They didn't have a guy who could – like, they didn't have the highest battle who always got the ball on the last possession down the stretch. Buddy, I guess, could have, should have been that guy, but they just – it never seemed to be Buddy who got that shot. Against UNC is the last real, like, example because obviously Buddy didn't play against Duke and it didn't come down to the last possession against Duke, unfortunately, um, obviously, the Florida State game in the ACC tournament was a blowout, which makes it even more infuriating that Buddy got suspended for the second game. I 100% agree with what Jim Beheim said about how the ACC fucked up, and it really like Buddy ended up with a worse punishment than he, what he should have got. Um, they should have just freaking kicked him out of the game. Like I don't know what he's doing. Turn around and punching a guy when you're up, but and yeah, whatever. Like he got bumped, turned around, punched a guy. Like, that's pretty stupid, buddy. You should have got ejected from the game. But you won by how many points? Like, you shouldn't have got suspended for the Duke game. So we'll put that aside. Um, But, yeah, down the stretch of that um, UNC game where Syracuse had every chance to win the game, go back and watch it. Buddy never touches the ball. It's insane to watch. It's absolutely infuriating to watch. How do you don't give your best – I mean, whether it works out or not, at least let your best player take the ball. Um, I'm so sick of, like, watching Joe Girard dribble the ball off his foot. And- <laughs> or, I mean, man, talk about somebody who's frustrating as hell to watch play because he can be great.
0: He and- needs to play the two. I think he needs to play the two. I think we need to get the ball off his hand as, hand as the point guard.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. He's not a point yeah. guard. And I hate that they lost Kadari Richmond because they decided they were all in on Joe Girard. I mean, they could have used a dynamic yeah. point guard this year, right. um, but that's what you get when you when you go all in. On I mean, next year will be different. I don't think they'll be nearly as good at scoring, but they will be way more dynamic. And Joe, right. the one or two guys like that play that sort of game instead of one of four guys right. will make a big difference.
1: Yeah. Yeah, ahead, I mean, it, it, it's it's just so true that what you said about the athleticism of this team, although I will say Larry Bird proved that you can be an NBA Hall of Famer and be white and unathletic, but that's not the point. It's just, uh, it's
2: just the visual of it. You know, I don't <laughs> have to make it about race. It's not about race. It's about athletic.
1: But anyway, no, no, but I, I will say that um, they just dealing with the injuries they had at the end of the season. And then, you know, they needed to make a statement in the ACC tournament. And I still think that had Buddy played in that Duke game. The team might not have performed as well because I think a lot of the players in the team stepped up knowing that buddy wasn't there. So I don't want to be one of those guys who says, Oh, buddy was there. We would have beat Duke. No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I was there in person. They got their asses beat with buddy Bayham in the lineup. I think those other guys kind of stepped up in the moment. Um, but the ACC is a lot better than people gave it credit for. And in the, this NCAA tournament's proving that, I mean, we, we were this close to having three ACC teams in the final four, you know, it was, it was and uh, Miami wasn't close to winning. It's just, they were in an opportunity to make the final four They Um, were
2: halftime, right? Yeah,
1: before halftime. So I mean, the ACC was a lot stronger than people gave it credit for. I don't think that still shows that. Like Syracuse, uh, I don't think they would have gone past the first round in this tournament. I think somebody would have knocked them out right away because they just weren't they. They just weren't a good team. But you know what? Next year, both Bayheim brothers are gone. Uh, I feel like it's going to be just a different feel of the team, um, hopefully, and. I'm just an optimist. I hope that they can make themselves better. But um, Syracuse aside, this has been one hell of an NCAA tournament. I didn't think I'd be excited to watch this year because Syracuse wasn't involved. But some of these games have been so great. And every year, there's always this Cinderella team. Like a few years ago, it was Florida Gulf Coast. Then it was Loyola, Chicago. And this year, it was Saint, the St. Saint Peter's Peacocks who just went on this incredible run first by beating Kentucky, which was so hilarious. Um, because Fuck Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, for me personally, my champion is still alive. I picked the Kansas Jayhawks from the beginning to win. Um, I also picked Villanova to be in the final four, but I did not see North, the North Carolina Tar Heels, who were a bubble team before the ACC tournament, go on a run of their own to knock out Baylor. They, uh, they took down the Cinderella team, the, the St. Peter's Peacocks. And now they will play Duke in the final matchup between Duke and UNC, which is the first time they've ever met in the NCAA tournament in the history of their amazing rivalry. I mean, this has just been a very exciting, very exciting NCAA tournament. Do you guys have any predictions here on the show? Well, I mean, who's winning the final four, Nick? Drew?
2: Yeah, so I honestly like I almost didn't put in any brackets this year, which is insane for me to say, like, because it's been that sort of year where there's a couple of teams that are on top, those teams are all gone now I'm I'm thinking about Arizona and Gonzaga specifically like those two teams feel like the two teams that were on top all year long, um, and they're both gone. I just, like, never felt good about predicting any of these games. So, like, I know what you said, Syracuse, if they had somehow found a way to get in, they would have gotten knocked out of right away. But also, I could see them being a team that finds a way into the Sweet 16 somehow because they were good enough to compete with these teams. Um, You know, who knows what Syracuse team shows up. So and it's crazy like this. There's always some team that gets overlooked from playing small schools all year, and St. Peter's is that team this year. Um, and I honestly think the difference, and good for UNC for for getting the draw that they got. Other than Baylor, I mean, they've gotten pretty lucky with their draw, and they kind of won with athleticism against St. Peter's. Nobody could guard at Armando Baycott. Um, they got they just got bigger, stronger guys down there. So it feels like it's four blue bloods that are always up there in the final four, but UNC is an eight seed. Are you kidding me? Um, I think they have zero chance at beating Duke. Um, so I give Duke an wow. I give Duke that- an automatic bid into the national championship game. Um, and the other game, I mean, how great is it that we get to watch um, Villanova and Kansas play? It feels like those two schools are very similar in a lot of ways um and and neither team is like I don't know they're both good they're both really good like among college basketball teams but you put either one of those teams against like any pro team and they don't stand a chance so we're not talking about dynamic pro players on either of those teams so it's just gonna be really fun to watch uh those guys go against each other I feel like they're very very evenly matched I don't have a pick in that game at all like I feel like either team could win and it's probably gonna be pretty close. Um, and 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 I don't really have a national championship pick either. Cause like how could you like I I don't know, Duke, Kansas, and Villanova, all three of those teams feel like I, I think Duke has the most talented team, but they're also the youngest. They have the freshmen instead of Come on, Nick, you can't
0: give all this analysis and not give us a pick. You gotta give us a pick.
2: I I don't wanna. <laughs> I don't want to, but if you're forcing <laughs> me, if you're forcing me, I will pick Duke to win the national championship. I just think that these freshmen have proved that they're able to finish when it counts, um, but they're still freshmen. Like the, the, the older players might come out and just, you know, do things, but I don't see guys on Villanova or Kansas that are more talented than the guy's on Duke. So uh, well, I, I got to pick Duke. What you guys do?
1: here on ESPN, so they had uh, J.J. Redick talking to Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday went to North Carolina. J.J. Redick obviously was a Duke star. Uh, but they were, J.J. Redick goes, you know, North Carolina fans hate Duke more than Duke hates North Carolina because... They have an inferiority complex. I'm like, oh <laughs> fuck! <laughs> hey man, he's stirring they, the they pot. They did a beat him.
2: They did beat him at home the last game. I know. Okay, I hope well, North Carolina beats cool. them.
0: I, I hope North Carolina beats them again. That'd be awesome.
2: Yes. I mean, so I'll, so I'll, let, let, I'll let me do. let
0: me throw my pick out there. So uh, Duke UNC. I am picking UNC because uh, I actually used to be a UNC fan back in the day, and obviously Vince Carter, Vincent Lamar Carter, is from or he went to UNC and had some great years there. So uh, I'm going to pick UNC to beat Duke, and then I'm going to pick Kansas to beat Villanova. Uh, Villanova is going to be without one of their top players. I remember he – I think he fucked up his Achilles right at the end of the game. Oh, yeah, that's bad. He was a pretty big – yeah he was a big impact player and kansas is obviously does although like you said they don't have the pro caliber talent it does seem like that they do are do play like a cohesive unit at a very high level so i'm going to pick kansas kansas unc in the final and i'm going to say that money mike is correct in his selection of kansas winning the national championship money mike why don't you give us your pick before you have to leave us to go watch survivor Uh, (laughs) i'm going with the kansas jayhawks to win the national championship i do believe that they will play
1: duke in the national championship although i want UNC to win, so it's I want UNC to beat Duke, and I want Kansas to win against Villanova, and I want Kansas to win the national championship. So, um, I uh, I've always just you know I, maybe it's because that's the team that Syracuse beat is why I like Kansas. It's like oh I have a good I have a good feeling about Kansas because we beat them in the national championship. So when Syracuse isn't playing them, they're always a team that I I, I somewhat root for in college basketball. And Paul Pierce, Celtic legend, went to Kansas. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pulling for the Jayhawks. All right, I money Mike is like, doubling.
2: <laughs> I don't like that scrappy guard that Kansas has. I don't even know what his name is, but he annoys
0: the hell out of me. I know exactly who you're talking about, and I forgot his yeah. name too. But he missed so many uh, free throws. <laughs> yeah, he has
2: such a punchable face too. I just, can't. I just can't. And don't get me wrong, like, I want UNC to beat Duke too. But if you're asking me to bet money, I'm betting on Duke to win. Remember All who right.
1: went to North Carolina other than Vince Carter? Michael
0: Jeffrey Jordan. Sure but he's is. not there now, so it's not going to help.
2: <laughs> yeah, that,
0: that's fair. Well, d- speaking of uh, punchable faces, Nick, do you have any uh, final words for our listeners? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs>
2: um, I'll just say go, Bells, and hopefully one of us wins some money this weekend betting on college basketball final four.
0: Well, it won't be me. Uh, and Money Mike doesn't bet, so hopefully it's you. <laughs>
2: hopefully I win some money this weekend betting on the final four. Because what else is college basketball good for? It's the best playoff of all the sports. Oh, maybe second best if you count the NFL. The NFL is just better at everything. But, yeah, I mean, betting was made for March Madness in the NFL. And so got to bet on the final four. It's here. It's going to be gone before we know it. So enjoy it.
0: And that's why those are our two favorite sports to talk about on this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to another damn sports podcast. I am Drew Torres. He is my name Mike Gilcrest with Nick Padula joining us today. And I hope you guys enjoy the final four and everything else that happens in this crazy NFL offseason.